Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 73. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, audio technician Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. Yeah, we got some we got some work we need to do, judging from our fee- our Twitter feedback. Oh, we got bad feedback? We did, just that people can't hear you over the amazing awesomeness of me when there's lots of noise in the background. So I got to figure out what's going on with the audio. Bro, so I didn't actually see that feedback, but I listened to part of, I guess it was our last cast, and I was thinking, like, I need to work on my audio quality because yours was a lot cleaner. So, yeah, I I definitely normalized it, but maybe I didn't get the levels right after after that was all set. Well, I think it's just got something to do with, like, my space and my microphone, maybe. I understand. Yeah, I have mine, mine on the mic arm where it stays the exact same distance away. Yeah, but yours is uh, yours is fucked now, so it's all even. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I um, had some time to actually clean up my office and unpack. So I'm unpacked. I put down new treading on the carpets and just a whole bunch of stuff to get ready for Thanksgiving. I went to Pier 1 to look for, like, artwork. I know that sounds really lame, but I've had so much stuff going on, it's crazy. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know Pier 1 was still around, man. I thought that died in, like, 1998. Nope, they're, they're having a clearance sale, and I was like, oh, I need I need something for the house. Pier 1 imports, bro. There's a, Pier- you gotta make sure there's no tariffs on that shit. <laughs> the world, everything is tariff now. Uh, even the scotch that I'm drinking. I'm telling my boy. That's, not, that's no good. So, sorry. All right, so... We had, obviously, week one. We were planning on having Lawrence on, but there were some complications. So we're probably going to do that next week or in uh, in one of the next two weeks, I assume. We got Bologna coming up. We've got a ton of new results. We got the Challenge, the Leagues, MKM, our own individual games. So just getting stuff out of the way first. Uh, uh, Legacy Pit, that dude Travis, asked me to... Uh, let people know that December 1st is their invitational that's going to be streamed on Twitch. And, you know, we're, we're a uppercase C community now, so we're plugging each other. Uh, so that's going on. That lineup is sick. Yeah. I saw the promo, the promo that they put out for that, and I'm, I'm excited. Sweet. So that'll be, I guess when this episode comes out, that'll be six days away or whatever. And then uh, BoltTheBird.com I wanted to shout out real quick because... I was thinking about doing a website, and basically 24 hours after I thought of it, this dude reached out, and he basically had already done what <laughs> everything I was thinking of and more. So holler at uh, boltthebird.com, check it out, anybody looking for local legacy or whatever. And, yeah, local and local old school? Yeah, I guess it's going to be any eternal thing, right? I had an absolute blast playing old school on... Friday night? Dude, how does that not my show notes? I forgot that that was this week. I know, we got to actually like hang out and play Magic, and it was outstanding. I got out of the house for once, yeah, <laughs> and had a great time with Jeremy the first and Jeremy the third. <laughs> yeah, that was that was cool, man. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun. We had quite a few games before you got there. We played with the original Duel Decks uh, from 1998. And then our boy DJ had his 
his like black, white, blue, old school deck. And yeah, what did you think of the format? It's fun. I I got to play some cards that I haven't played in a really long time. It seemed very not consistent. It's not you. It's not really the magic that I'm used to playing. We we had a few games that were Drago, Mana Screw, and a few other games where it was just like ridiculously broken starts. But the gameplay was okay. I I felt like the cards were sort of playing themselves. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't anything that I was like, oh man, this line is really hard, or there's a ton of interaction here. It was uh, the games were were kind of swingy one way or the other. That's why but I, I think, had fun. That's why I think drinking is a key component because like the the decision points are definitely fewer. And why I don't like drinking and playing Legacy so much, and and only like drinking and playing old school. Like I, I don't really like playing it if I'm not drinking. Because it's like very conducive to that, right? Like there's other stuff going on and you can still be focused enough on the game without giving it your full attention, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I had the drive home, so I think I had one beer and that was it. But it was uh, it was it was great to get to see everybody. Yeah, definitely, man. And uh, I'm glad you got to see Steve's house. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So that was uh, that was a lot of fun. I got to play a few legacy matches on Sunday with my gauntlet from before Death Ray was banned, man. I had I had my ant deck and my old rug delver deck still together in like partially proxied form. I just had this like eight deck gauntlet uh, in a box that I found in my basement. Mm-hmm. So I just broke those out and made like, you know, the five cards or whatever that have changed since then, like probe is banned, but uh, just made like the, the necessary adjustments and just played those two decks uh, against a couple of my friends. And yeah, it was interesting. It's it's kind of hard to get like, to get zoned in on like a testing a deck right now because as we talked about last time, we don't really have anything coming up. So I haven't really picked a spot that I want to dive in yet. Yeah, and I think that, again, testing legacy decks when you have a huge shakeup, all of that work that you put in the first... I don't know, first two, three weeks before things like before people get a clear idea of what's going on and what you need to tune for. I mean, it's fun, but I don't want to say it's wasted work, but what you're playing against is not going to be what you actually play against when an event's coming up because everything is just so crazy right now. It did kind of feel like wasted work, man. It felt like if you ever took like karate and you're like a brown belt, but you, your mom drops you off at the wrong time. So you have to go to like the blue belt class and you just like, do the forms with them but you already did them so long ago that's kind of how i felt honestly playing these games i was like all right this is kind of pointless i've already learned these lessons long ago so blue is less than brown yeah in karate uh, they're the belts are different in like taekwondo i don't remember exactly how it goes but okay yeah i i i have no idea what the the belts are i guess darker means that you're like more badass now it goes white in karate i think it goes white blue yellow green red brown black okay and taekwondo i think is white yellow orange blue or something but anyway long time ago um bro so real quick i just wanted to say the fucking grand prix in columbus this weekend which I didn't yep. even know happened until I was doing the research for this episode. 650 players for a modern Grand Prix. 
Yeah, I mean, we are. I think we talked about how when all those changes got announced, what it was going to do to the Grand Prix sort of circuit, and I think we we expected smaller Grand Prix, but modern used to be like their go-to. Like, all right, we need people. Let's make sure we schedule enough modern events. And now Pioneer has plundered modern, and modern is only pulling six hundred and fifty people. In, in fucking Columbus, Ohio. It's not like, you know, it's in, I don't know, Phoenix or some somewhere you could kind of explain away, right? We've had these low attendance standard Grand Prix. We haven't bothered talking about them, but recently, like, that's, that's pretty normal attendance for a Grand Prix now, like 650 for limited or standard. Like, we've had, I believe it was Throne Limited in Denver, Throne Limited in Phoenix. Uh, I can't remember where the other last couple Grand Prix were, but they, they were all under 1,000 for sure. Uh, either standard or limited and that was fine but like to have an individual not a team just an individual modern grand prix in a relatively centrally located populated area of you know northeast the u.s kind of, you know north what is it called it's not the midwest what is columbus is it the midwest i think it counts as the midwest Maybe they would say, no, 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 Kansas is the Midwest. Yeah. Columbus is the gateway to the east, but shit's Midwest. Yeah. It, well, it's in it's in civilization. Let's just put it that way. And 650 players. What the fuck, bro? Like, that's that, that's fucked, right? I mean... Why, why go to a Grand Prix anymore? Why indeed? I, I agree, but like... There's no coverage, right? Like, what what percentage? So let's say that the average attendance for this would have been 1,800 two years ago, right? Mm-hmm. What percentage of this 66% decrease would you put on coverage versus Pioneer versus just general attrition versus Arena? Okay, so I think it's mostly Pioneer. Wow. I don't think... I don't, I don't really think that there's been a ton of attrition. I think people are just shifting formats... I think the coverage matters a little bit, but it's mostly the, mostly like the the incentive for pros to go play. Yeah, that's that's, the, that's part of it too. That's for the sure. biggest change. And um, I, I meant to add also, but I guess the format in general, because I I don't know how good or bad it might be considered right now, but I know Urza they're kind of unhappy the way we are with 2019. I think. Yeah, I think every format didn't really have a good time with the printings and how everything got made. Agreed. And and with the London Mulligan, I, I guess Tron is really pretty good, which makes sense, right? That deck seem, seems like it would gain a lot from the London Mulligan. Yeah, and I mean, it does super powerful things, and being able to get bonuses from your Mulligan, as we'll sort of talk about later on, makes the games play out in similar fashion. Yeah, for sure. So I would say that, you know, that... London Mulligan and Attrition are a smaller part of it. And I honestly think that the shift to Pioneer will eventually be a huge part of it. But because of the timing, where I think that people might have already been planning to go to this Grand Prix or book their, potentially even, you know, reserve their spot or book their hotel or made their travel plans or whatever, before Pioneer had really even caught on, I don't think the Pioneers reflected so much in this number. It certainly reflected to some degree. But I think that the coverage really is is what's starting to to kill this to to really drive these numbers down and you you might you might be right the fact that like there's no promotion there's less excitement about these events dude i had no idea there was a grand prix until i was looking today you know 
Well, yeah, I mean, I knew I knew that there was a modern Grand Prix, but I don't really have the ability to travel anymore. So I I wasn't worried about missing it. If I was going to guess how many people would have showed up, I would have guessed somewhere around a thousand. So obviously this is a little low, but I mean, we're coming up around the holidays and uh, and it's tough for people to travel, right? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there's well, all right. So there's this excuse about like the you know what weekend it is and holidays and stuff, and I understand like July twentieth or whatever is a freer weekend than November twentieth, right? Like the weekend before Thanksgiving, but right. it's not Easter. You know what I mean? Like it's not Christmas week. It's it's like the weekend. Right, but I mean this format wasn't legacy. If you had a modern no, no, no. Grand Prix on Easter weekend, you probably have a like a, a much dumpier turnout than you did last year on the Legacy Grand Prix. Agreed. Yeah, I'm just saying it seems like every time, the sort of like the apologist stance is like, oh, but there was a Dragon Ball Z show premiering on Nerdflix at you know 10 p.m. that night, so it was an awful weekend. They shouldn't have scheduled it. Like they'll pick any fucking stupid thing to say. <laughs> You know, like, I don't even know. There's a new fucking Star Wars cartoon out or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know where they, they come up with this shit, but there's sort of like this, this like explain it away sort of thing. And I just okay. think that this weekend Yeah, is I fine. mean, I think, I think flights are like super expensive right now. Oh yeah. I mean, aren't they, aren't they, aren't they like in the past week prices have doubled for any flight you want to take? I did. I'm pretty sure that's a real thing. I did hear that with regard to the holiday season. I didn't realize it was like immediately starting like immediately, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong and they didn't spike last weekend, but I I would assume that prices for flights would be quite a bit higher right now than they, than they are normally. Well, I know a little bit, I know a little bit about how geography now, so I can tell you people could drive there from, uh, Cincinnati, they could drive there from Cleveland, Minneapolis, they could drive there from Chicago, uh, West Virginia, Louisville, so, I don't even okay, know. Okay, so you know you know some cities in the surrounding area? <laughs> yeah. Uh, You're doing some, some research? Yeah. So basically, you know, you got no excuse. This is, uh, this is crazy, man. We, we live in interesting times. I, I absolutely agree. But also... There's a SCG in Columbus that's modern in January. I don't know which weekend it is, but one of the weekends in January, not the first one. So okay. I'm curious, dude, what if the SCG pulls more players than the GP? I mean, I would assume that it's probably going to be about the same. Right. And if I was to bet, I think I'd probably take the like the SCG with a slight over. That's wild, isn't it? It absolutely is, but... I mean, what Wizards has shot themselves in the foot with promoting these events. Yeah. It's almost like they like they don't want to piss their players off, so they're going to run them, but they don't really care about them. So true, man. And it's that's why I think that coverage is a big factor in this because I I think that SCG is still relatively consistent, right? I mean, they were never really pulling more than 1000 when they didn't have a GP. So their numbers have been pretty flat, I think, which isn't great to be flat, but it's not down 66% or whatever. Right, they're getting hit less because they're more of a destination because of the coverage. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't the know incentives, how much that plays into play. The incentives to be grinding. But, like, I are the incentives to grind SCGs, like, really there? Oh, they're not I mean, rational. Maybe, maybe the 60 people on the, the leaderboard, but, like, yeah, everybody else? 
No, there, there's nothing rational about it, but there are people who grind it. Like, we, we saw some sort of shit. I don't know who the person was or anything, but there were a bunch of people bitching about it this week. Like, SCG's working us too hard or whatever, you know? So they, like... Okay, I... I, I don't want to get too out of sorts about this, but, like, <laughs> if you make the decision to travel to every event to try to do well on this leaderboard and you make the commitment to say, all right, I want to do the best I can I can on this leaderboard. I'm not going to take a weekend off because I can't just play in a few events and perform where I want to perform on this leaderboard. And you go to all the events and you complain that you're getting burnt out. Like that's your own fault. Yeah. And I always carry a knife on me to scrape off barnacles. So, yeah. I'm just like you want to grind, you want to grind great. Like go for it. Get your get your points on the board. But if you want to say like, "Oh, I have so much real life stuff going on and I want to grind. I need to blow off my real life stuff to like score higher on this leaderboard." Like don't you're making a bad decision with your life. And it's not SCG's fault that you're making bad decisions with your life. It's your own fault. So like take some control and get some like life balance back because you don't need to go every weekend. But if I don't go every weekend, then I'll, I'll lose my visibility and maybe the store that gives me $25 an article won't sponsor me. And my dream of being a pro magic player. is oh. dead. Uh, yeah. That was, uh, that was weird. Oh no, no. I mean like, I don't, I don't know any of these people, but like y you got, yeah. I feel you, bro. Obviously, I feel you with this whole sort of personal responsibility argument. But I, I mean, there, I, I kind of almost want to like zoom out even further from here, which is absurd. But like, it's kind of a failing at large. Like people are, you know, sort of searching for purpose. Like, like it's not their fault. It, it is their fault. But it's it's also like out of their control that wizards just sort of completely scrapped their organized play 18 in the last 18 months and there's no discernible system anymore so they're trying to cling on to this thing that's that's just got them by the hooks right so like yes it is it is their fault that they're doing this but i do i do feel some amount of sympathy for them because they they saw other people doing it when they were coming up and it looked cool and then it the rug just got pulled out from under them when it got there well, I know. No, it always looks cool. Right. Like you see the people who are like who go on like a hot run and they're crushing the leaderboard and everything is great. And mentally, like you want to go every weekend and then like long term, long term reversion to the mean catches up with you and you have like a few bad events and you're like, why am I even good enough to do this? Like, why am I why am I spending five hundred dollars a weekend to go play in a tournament where like variants can can two three me in the first five rounds and my weekend is ruined like do i want to subject my mentality to putting my my personal worth on the line for this game that the rewards aren't worth grinding for you could say like yeah you can make your own meaning and i love doing this and that's what i want to do but if you love doing it and you're like, no, 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 I don't want to go over a weekend. I'm getting so burnt out. Like, is that, can you truly love doing something and be complaining about getting burnt out by going and doing it? 
No, I, and I would never be that person complaining. Like, I understand that argument. I'm sympathetic to that argument 100%. I, I don't feel bad for someone who chooses to do it. But I do feel bad for them having to make that decision of, like, okay, this thing that I was, you know, looking towards is just no longer there. It's, not, it's no longer realistic, right? It's almost like a, like a pyramid scheme or something, right? Like, the growth model is broken down and there's all these sort of disenfranchised people at the bottom rung. Oh, you mean like exactly how it was before? It wasn't, it wasn't always that way though. I, I feel like from 2013 to 2015, there was a legitimate growth model where the game was growing to a point where you could make more pros because there were more bottom feeders, you know, like there, there was a legitimate growth pattern for a while that sort of supported the lifestyle like all those all those scg sort of like barns that had had come up over the years right right but they like they came up because of scg coverage and you see like people who are like like the scg stars but if you look at their like actual revenue versus expenses from how well they did in the tournaments like none of them were making it no, probably not, but they had the the goal of like making the pro tour from there, right? And like some of them did, like like Brian or Brad, like I'm not willing to say for sure that they didn't make like a, a fine decision for themselves. Like it it worked out for them, right? Like that I don't think that either of them are wasting their life, I w- I would say, I guess, right? Okay. Yeah, I I I probably was a bit too harsh in my generalizations. There are some people that can do it, but for every one person that does it, there's a thousand people who try, and I, I, I don't know. It's like you have a kid in high school who really wants to be an NBA player, and they like they they really really believe that they can do it, and they're like, oh no no, I'm gonna be in the NBA, and you just you look at them and you understand that that dream is never going to happen, bro. What? You're a dad. You can't say that to your kid. Uh, okay. You have to get you, get, you get an education. Get a you can't say that stable to... foundation to be able to build your life from, and uh, you. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't drop that on them until they're twelve, bro. You have to be like, you can be anything you want to be if you work hard enough. That that's like the line until you're like ten or whatever. It's like a sandwich. Okay, no, I and I agree with that you can do better at something no matter how hard you work at it, but listen, let, let's look at the reality. Um re, reality reality doesn't really work that way. Yeah, no, I feel you, but you can't tell kids that till they're 12. This is a rule. I mean, can you can you tell like 20-year-old SCG grinders that or, or are they too young? Yeah, they're still too young, obviously. Okay. Okay. This is a suspended adolescence, but um also i guess real quick we should shout out our boy kevin jones former guest uh getting dropped from scg articles or whatever and i was thinking about this man like i didn't know that there still were scg articles honestly but i went and took a look at like who was writing for them and like what kind of articles they had now and like they're all like super like here's the sideboard guide and whatever like this very like results oriented like i'm on my way to a tournament this weekend what's going on like well that's what that's what people okay i shouldn't say 
that's what people want when they read articles. But I feel like that is what people are willing to pay for when they read articles. You know what I'm saying? Yes. No, I do know what you're saying. They're trying to get like an edge or whatever, and they're trying to exploit that with the pay model. Yep. But... And let me let me just tell you that like if you're not a player that has gone through and played enough games to be able to develop those choices yourself, it doesn't matter whose deck and sideboard guide you're using, you're not going to do well over the long term. You might spike an event because variance is in your favor, but like you you shouldn't be reading those to copy. You should be reading those to like integrate your own understanding with somebody else's but bro what i'm wondering is like how big can that world possibly be right now because like there's this like triple digit gp attendance there's like you know triple digit scg tour attendance standard ptqs that you like you read about are like firing with like 20 30 people how many people are really paying for that like really grindery information right now because i think i would be a lot more interested and it's funny because it's Kevin Jones, like, that happens to be writing this. And, like, there's a couple other people they have, like Ben Friedman. I'd be a lot more interested in just reading what they had to say in general than about magic at this point. You know what I mean? Like, some of these people were just legitimately good writers or interesting people. And You're I don't right, give a we've, fuck about We've sort of rejected that that magic grinder lifestyle and hearing hearing about the new best standard deck with sideboard guide after after all of the shakeup doesn't appeal to us at all right and but i'm saying like what how big do you think that that slice is the people who want to read that shit it's got to be really small right well i mean if you're going to an scg to play standard you probably want to read that yeah no agreed. so so the scg player base it probably applies to and their article series is really like also promotions for their tournament. It all it all ties together. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. I just think that they should have like uh and I don't know, maybe this is still how it works, but you know they used to have like the select and the premium or whatever. I think it's all premium now. Yeah. I think that they they would do better advertising on the select side, right? Because that's people that would come there and not be aware of it and find out about it versus the premium being the enfranchised people. Yeah, but, well, I mean, as, like Star City has way more data than we do. They're way more informed on like what they want to do with their content. So I don't, I don't want to say that what SCG is doing is wrong. I think they probably know way more than us about how their their model works for their writing and how it all ties in with their promotion. So I, I think they're probably doing the right thing there, but it just, it, it's not the right thing for you or I, but listen, we're not going to an SCG standard event. We're probably not going to an SCG modern event. Maybe we'll go to a close pioneer because there's no legacy events anymore. Like we, we aren't part of the model that SCG wants to advertise to. So it doesn't really matter what we think. No, agreed. I just think that they're digging their own grave to a, and, and I do agree with what you're saying. Like they have data that, you know, I'd love to see. Like they they certainly have. They can cross reference, you know, their DCI numbers in one tournament versus another, and say, oh, we've got this this percentage of new players, this percentage of repeat players, or whatever, and this these people are subscribed to the premium, and the, you know, they have these advanced analytics that we don't have access to, obviously. But I wonder, man. I really do. Because 
it, it's just like there's hundreds. Like, have you ever thought about how many magic players you know in this area? You, you probably have a higher number than me, even. And my number yeah, I mean, is it's well a over hundred. Yeah. And I, I, just, I, I don't know exactly what the number is, but it's a lot. Yeah, and they all, to some degree, used to be involved in this, and they're all not anymore. Well, we're getting older. It's a new crop of people. So it's not like you're the friends that you used to go to all these tournaments with when you were 25, 26. We're older now. We're starting to phase out. There are new people that are doing that. I don't think so, bro. I, I mean, yes, I do think that we're getting older. I'll, con- I'll concede that point. <laughs> you don't think but, that there are people that are doing the same thing that we used to do now? I think that there are different people, but I don't think that they're younger. I don't think, like, if a kid comes into this game, like, a, a, when I say kid, I mean, like, an 18-year-old kid. They're going to run away fucking screaming. They're going to get the fuck out of this game as fast as possible because there's it doesn't seem cool right now, right? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. You think that there's still like that sort of that allure, that sort of draw to it? Cuz this is something I'm, I really worry about, man, is like the young kids that are coming in, like whether they're they're getting hooked or not. I think they are. Bro, this is such, I, such a fucking tangent. Holy shit. Yeah, we, we have so much stuff to talk about. I know, I just looked at the about. clock. It's my bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, like, I, I definitely think they are. I think that we're we're not noticing it because, one, we've, we're sort of removed from the situation. And, two, they're not in our social group. Right? So we don't get to observe it. And, obviously, there are people that are doing that. You look at, like, people who are grinding the SCG tour... And, uh, and it's lots of younger people. So I, I don't, I don't think that magic is experiencing like a, like a slow death of the tournament player. I think we're seeing down numbers right now for sure. But what that means is probably bad formats. When formats get good, people come back to play. Yeah. There's a lot of fragmentation too, you know, like there's just too many formats, I think at this point. I, I can agree with that. So it's not like, uh, you know, you got to concentrate the people so that people can find other cool people. And if you just, you know, like there's there's FNMs all around here that just don't fire. So people show up to play standard and four people show up and then there's no scene anymore. So I don't know, man. It's kind of fucked, but it is what it is. Uh, let's get into the fucking results. <laughs> so we had a challenge this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and call that bigger than the MKM. I don't know if that's a fact or not, but I don't know how many players were at the MKM. For, I could I could look it up, but I'm not going to. Um, so <laughs> week one, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'm not gonna you know my elbow's a little sore, so I'm not gonna hyperextend myself. But I'm just gonna give myself a little pat on the back here with sneak and show taking first in the first challenge because this is the deck, right? Like this is the deck that that you come to in times of uncertainty. This is the the most powerful deck in a completely unknown meta, right? We've talked about this a hundred times. Well, I mean, you know what the 75 is going to look like. You have general ideas of what decks you're going to play against. And a week one... Like, Sneak and Show has performed very well in week one metagames, for sure. So it doesn't surprise me to see that do well. It's just like, how wrong could you ever be, right? I mean, you could be pretty wrong. You'd have to be really pretty pretty unlucky to be that wrong, though. It, you'd have to have a lot of Delver, really. You know? It, it would have to 
it would be pretty unlikely, I think. But yeah, I, I think if everybody had like a tuned version of a Grixis Delver deck week one and they came out swinging with that, it would be a poor decision. Yeah, but anyway, it's also JPA, so he's got that going for him, and it's the days build. You know, it's the build that he's played from time to time and done well with, and yeah, this is it. First place, first challenge. Second place, the bigger Eldrazi deck we finally see come back. This isn't exactly the bigger Eldrazi deck as we left it, because that deck, if you recall, was on like four great creators, and then also some number of Ugin the Ineffables and Ugin the Spirit Dragons. Yep. This is just Ugin the Ineffable, and like the, uh, what's his name, Ulamog, the, uh, the Ceaseless Hunger. It's the like, 10 drop. Yeah, it's ramping up to that shit and endless ones and not the planeswalkers and i i can't honestly say what the reason for that is uh nothing nothing jumps out at me for why you would go one direction rather than the other because it seemed like that list was a lot more popular a couple months ago but this is a little more towards the aggro build yeah i mean endless one is a little bit more flexible with your mana curve so i'm not exactly sure what the what the final reasons for that happening were but um yeah it, they they had their reasons i don't want to i don't really understand why yeah and it's still close enough to the the former bigger deck like it's still playing the glimmer post cloud post shit yep it's still clearly the bigger version so yeah second place so maybe that deck is back i'm not ready to call it yet but something we talked about last week is a possibility i mean you you called it you did say hey listen watch for this Right. Yeah, and I'm not, but I'm not ready to say, oh yeah, it's back or something, you know. But right. I think it is back on back on people's people's minds at least. Yep. Third place. This is the deck you don't expect to see in like a week one meta. <laughs> this is Bara. This is an Esper Vile deck uh, with no Stone, uh, Stoneforge Mystics. And this now he's been playing something similar to this. Uh, or or testing something similar to this for a very long time. Like, two Leaving a Legacy opens ago, yeah. Rich Shea was playing an Esper Vile deck that he worked on um, that he worked on with him. Correct. And obviously the cards aren't very similar. Like, they're different. But it's the same concept. It is. It's not a Stoneforge deck anymore. And the absence of Thalia is fucking wild. That you're playing a vile deck that's white based without thalia a 28 creature vile deck with no thalias could you imagine that like in white you know a 28 creature white vile deck with zero thalia guardian thraven yeah i think that was probably a meta call but i i like right I but who's making meta calls week right one that's fucking wild it, it um, obviously it was a good call and maybe that's that's why he's bought around or whatever but it's fucking pretty impressive i think i i also agree but yeah, this is uh there's the four of's are four baleful strix, four meddling mage, four mother of runes, four recruiter of the guard, then two true name nemesis and two soul herders, and then everything else is a one of potential target for recruiter of the guard. Like you got one tonic, one weathered wayfarer, one plague engineer, one palace jailer, one relic warder, and uh, four brainstorm, four plow, one days, one chrome mox, four ether vial. Yeah, well, I mean like. The the idea behind the choices are this of this deck are Thalia for brainstorm, right? 
I feel like that's the swap that got made. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm going with it. Like it takes Athalia shell, and says, "All right, if I'm already into blue for true name and some of these other things, why am I not just playing brainstorm? Because it's probably going to give me more of an advantage than Thalia would right now." Yeah. It's just interesting to be this naked though, man. Because there's there's one days there's no force of will, and then to also have no Thalia, it's like you have no interaction. Right, but your opponents don't know. You don't have force of will. If they see a daze, they probably assume it, right? If they, so, one daze, I mean, there's, there's no certainty at all. Okay, you're right. But an opponent seeing a daze and brainstorm probably assumes force. So you might have a little bit of protection. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, if you, you, know, if you go delta into underground sea then they're going to have force on their mind, obviously. So, yeah, you do have that protection, but it's just, it's pretty wild, man. It's pretty ballsy, I think. And obviously expecting a very fair meta, I wouldn't have made that call. But that's why uh, I'm not in the top of the challenge, I guess. So Yeah, I wouldn't have played I wouldn't have played a deck like that either. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And no Stoneforge, man. That, that's a big statement, too. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure why. It was probably space concern. Or maybe thinking that, um, that I'm I'm actually not sure. I don't know why. I I do feel the space concern. I would almost like to see just like a jit with no stoneforge right now. You know, because you have twenty eight creatures, you have all these strixes and shit, and instant mm -hmm. speed vile. You're going to be able to throw the jit on something. You don't need to play stoneforge to play jit. Right. Which is something we never really see anymore, so I'm kind of surprised by it, but fourth place, this is Anurag, this is Miracles with four Arkham's Astrolabe and one Oko in the main deck and three Veil of Summer in the sideboard and, well, Carpet of Flowers, I guess, would be the other green card in the sideboard. But this is like Bant Miracles. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much of this is for the stream or how much is this is like the best tuned version of the deck. But he does extremely well with these styles of decks. And you talked last week about how Astro you thought Astrolabe was just going to go away. And we see it we see it pop up already. Yeah, I mean, we did we did talk about potentially the, the lone spot for it being like the the blue white red mentor deck and this is kind of that right i mean this this really isn't because we were talking about it with with reference to um what do you call it monastery mentor monastery mentor yeah and this is not that but this is it does have four well, colors of spells in it so mentor right mm -hmm. you play the astrolab to cantrip and to get like a little bit of um residual value from the token and with oko it gets to cantrip, and then you get a little bit of residual value turning it into a 3-3 three, three after you fixed. Yep. So... Yeah, there is there is that, I guess, you know, ins and outs. Only one Oko, though. So really, my read on this is this is a lot more about Veil of Summer than it is about Oko. I, I can agree with that. That card... Uh, that card is really, really just too good. I mean, you know... 
how how good would cryptic command be if it cost a single mana, right? Giving a color that previously didn't really have access to something like that, such a powerful card. <laughs> but we're not giving it to green, we're giving it to blue-white. Well, with this mana base, yeah. Yeah, that's what's so fucked about Astrolabe. But, like, honestly, uh, somebody asked me about this. I don't know if it was a chat you were in or not, but I do think the Veil of Summer will be banned eventually. I don't. Really? Not in Legacy. Um, I mean, obviously in other formats, like it's already it's already been done, but yeah, I think, I think it's that, already banned in standard and maybe pioneer. I think um, I think it's just going to end up being like a like a staple, just like Red Blast and Pyroblast are, and I think it's just it's better. That's how I thought of it originally was like Red Blast, but now that I've seen it enough, I kind of feel like every deck should be playing it. Like, you know, if you're in green, you play it. And if you're not in green, then you splash green to play it. Which is, like... like That's I, a really bold statement. It, well, you were saying that you you were saying, you know, whether Anna and I did this for the stream. And I didn't talk to him about this or anything. But my impression from this deck list is, no. I think that this is legitimately the right list. And I think that it's because of Veil of Summer. Okay. I can I can get behind that. So, yeah. That, that's, uh, that's my read on it. And... I, I don't know if it'll be soon or not. You know, I'm not not ready to say whatever, but it just seems like it's going to be in every deck. So You heard it here. Goblins splashing for Veil of Summer. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably already happened. Yeah. Yeah, those fucking Australians, bro. They'll do anything. Well, the good thing, the good thing is we have sweet new artwork for Goblin Lackey. Oh my god, dude. Are we going to talk about that? It's it's a goddamn abomination. Is that is that part of that uh, gift box thing? It is. Well, it's part of like the individual secret layer things. Yes. So what is this thing? Can you explain it to me? Charlie was trying to tell me about it today. I don't want to. It's like it's a bunch of like pre like small sets that they're selling that are coming out on a certain release schedule at the beginning of December. And it's all reprints, but it's got, uh, how can I say this? It's got, like, cute artwork for some of the cards that are in it. So, uh, they, they took, they took all of these reprinted cards that fit a certain theme and just sort of, like, uh, uh, gave them an interesting art style. I'll use interesting because I don't want to say my actual opinions on them. They're cute. They're cute. So they you, really are cute. You know the scene in uh, American History X where he's like, "You see this? This means not welcome." You no, know I don't. I've seen that movie, but I don't remember the specific scenes. He's talking about like his tattoo on his chest or whatever. Okay. He's like you see this? When I saw that art, that's what I like. We're, we're talking about like the meme or whatever, and like that's that was my first thought. I was just like. This means, like, this. I'm not supposed to be playing this game. When I see a card like that, I'm like, all right, th- this is not for me, man. This is a kid's game. You know what I mean? And that's yep. fine because we were just talking about, like, the trouble with attracting kids to play the game or whatever. But, like, they're making these products that are so clearly not for us, right? And people talk about, like, not everything's supposed to be for everybody. And that's a legitimate thing, you know? But that's that's weighed against the fragmentation of the player base, in my in my opinion. And 
when I see stuff like that, I'm just like, God damn, I'm way too old to be playing this fucking game. Like I just feel, yeah, like, I I mean, feel bad about myself. When I see we like probably we probably are. We're way too old to have like a a weekly podcast based off of this game that is now doing cartoon artwork releases. Which I actually, it's fine. It's fine. It's not fine, bro. <laughs> but anyway, uh, fifth place. <laughs> <laughs> Bug Delver, and this is this is only six cards off of the list that I was gonna try first. Uh, the the cards that are different. This is four Fatal Push main, and I actually saw this. So this player is not someone I'd seen before. I, I don't think I've played against this person before. Alakazm DK or something. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but this is a. Uh, 20 lands, no basics, but four fatal push in the main, bro. And I saw Andrea Mangucci played in the Legacy Tournament paper this weekend, and he played Bug Delver, and he also played four fatal push in the main. And well, that- if that's your meta call, though, there's going to be a bunch of creature decks, then fatal push is like, obviously, it's a very effective card, and you can sort of gamble. I think they made the gamble that wasn't going to be a ton of combo in these events right at the beginning and that fatal push was going to be one of their best cards yeah that's pretty unheard of though man i'm not sure i've ever seen four fatal push in a list before like it's a pretty big meta call and it's i i just would have started with you know spell snare obviously like i feel like that's a safer call than fatal push okay for for the what i was expecting the meta to be my lists were either zero fatal push or two fatal push in the main but maybe four is correct right now i don't know you know it it could be correct and four thought sees in the main too so that i, I absolutely love the four thought sees. yeah and that's I sort think of that's the main drop of the deck right that's what we talked about last week right is how you don't have one a second one drop in this deck anymore i right. would have still played a hex drinker like the, i love that miser's hex drinker but you don't really have the density of one drop, so you kind of need to play Thossies now. So you want to do something like three Fatal Push and one Hex Drinker? No, I would be on one to two Fatal Push. Uh, and I, I want to play Hymns, is what I want to do. Okay. But yeah, this is uh, this is the list. Only ten creatures. Uh, heavy on the disruption. Not, I don't want to say disruption. Heavy on the removal, really. And the the pinpoint discard, and then two Okos in the main, which is I guess the utility planeswalker of choice now. Yeah, I mean it's value. I mean you saw, you saw a lot of bug decks even like branch up to play Jace, in that spot just to play like all right you bridge to the mid game you have this this yeah powerful play. A lot of times you um, see one Jace in the sideboard with like a twentieth land or something, but uh. Like one last hope. First, it was one Lily of the Veil, and then more recently, I think one last hope had been in vogue. Yep. And when you when you think about what those cards do, obviously Lily of the Last Hope has like a like a splashier ultimate. But I think Oko is a more consistent value engine over the course of the game. So a lot of the times you play your Lily, you're plus oneing into nothing, and the Oko you're getting a little bit of value right away. Yep. Yeah, you so, don't really have the creature density to be taking full advantage of Last Hope anymore. Like the the card advantage side of it, at least. Oh, okay. Yeah, I understand with the minus. Yeah, so it, 
maybe it just doesn't fit anymore. I guess you could say that if you're going to play for Fatal Push, then the Lily the Lily plus ability on a creature is probably more relevant. Yeah, and but, two Plague Engineer in the sideboard, too. It's kind of yeah, like... Yeah, combines, combines really well together. Yep. You don't really need it. So, yeah, also Brazen Borrower was in all my decks, and it's not in this one, but... That's that card, a, so you know how we we talked about it in spoiler spoiler season, how like we weren't sure if it was going to be good, but we really liked it? I think we can say that that card is just really good. Yeah, I like think... Like, everybody who's been playing with it has been really excited by what it's been doing. Even if they haven't been flipping their Delvers off of it? Well, I mean, there are some people that have been <laughs> yeah, flipping their Delvers off been. of it, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically, I, I don't... I think that you're being a little too negative. I think that we were both pretty hyped about that card but like i I don't feel surprised to see it doing well neither 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 am i yeah being a little too modest there but okay i you know what i'm mr modesty (laughs) i rarely i no i yeah that was trash that was a bad take i'm sorry (laughs) uh you're definitely not kanye hosting the opera but you you've had your moments I have not I have not seen Kanye hosting the opera, but yes I have It's a picture have, of modesty. Okay. I, I, I can get behind it. So six and listen, this is completely off topic. Did you hear Kanye's gospel album? How awful is it? It's amazing. I don't know what it's you're talking about. So terrible. It's fucking incredible. The, oh, it's so bad. So songs songs one, four, and then six through however many there are. Yep. I'm never gonna listen to it again. I've I've never seen a rap album get patched on release. Was patched. They they edited it. Oh, is that after, what happened? After they released it, I listened to it on the first day. Okay. And then they they went back and they changed a bunch of stuff and remixed it because like oh it, it sounded bad. Okay, then then this makes so much more sense because I listened to it the first day and I was like, God, this is fucking terrible. And that's, then I listened to it again this past weekend, and I was like, wow, this is so much better than I remembered it being. Okay, so maybe maybe I need to go back and re-listen to it. Yeah. But that, that definitely happened. Two, three, and five are bangers, man. Like, I, I, I listened to those unironically today, twi- like, twice, on the way to work and back. So it, it was like, man, I, I don't know. I really hated this album when I first listened to it, but it got a lot better. Well... That makes okay. so much sense. Now you, know, now you know why. I didn't realize that it got patched or whatever. Yep. That's funny. All right. So sixth place, a deck that uh, had been declared dead, right? Officially dead. Elves. This is this is the old elves deck, man. Like every card in it is just the old elves deck. But are those decks ever going to go away? Like they're a deck that somebody has... That every time the format gets shaken up, they're going to break it out. And then just by the law of large numbers, some are going to do well. Elves, it just it doesn't seem like a deck that can die. Death and Taxes doesn't seem like a deck that can die. Yeah, you're right. Blue-White Stoneblade doesn't seem like a deck that can die. So, like, I don't think we can we can put too much stock into what's, into what's going on with Elves doing, doing something in this first week. But no, I, uh, I agree completely. Yeah. It, I mean, it it showed up, and I do. We did talk about it being valid again, and I do think it is valid now. But it's not like three else decks top eighted or something, and it's like a good deck right. now. It's yep. it's probably fine. Right. 
I, th- I think, is that where you're going? Yes. Yeah, it's probably fine. <sighs> Seventh place. This is more interesting, man. This is... This is like uh, Tom Cairns personified, right? <laughs> this is four-color, non-red pile shit with uh, how many? Seven, seven snow basics, six planeswalkers, four okos, or sorry, two okos, two teferis, and two jaces, two brazen borrowers, two snapcaster mage, four tarmogoyf. One Savine's Reclamation, four Ponder, two Supreme Verdict. This is just like the most mid-rangiest of decks you could imagine, right? But is this the color combination that Tom would play? No. See, he's, he's fucking married to Colgon's command, so... I don't know. He's just... He, he doesn't like white. So... He, he wouldn't play this, but there are a lot of cards that... And he played. He actually played in a modern tournament this weekend, and he's playing that legacy deck, bro. Like that that snow. snow yeah, pile. the one that had zero reserveless cards that he was yeah, playing with. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he calls it Cocaine Control now, which I, I think is an awesome name, by the way. But he he went six uh, two and lost to his buddy who was playing the same seventy five as him for top eight. So oh, that's really that's actually kind of great. Yeah, it's crazy because like. We were talking about no reserveless cards, but it never crossed my mind that that meant it was modern legal. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Well, obviously, like, the legacy version had Force of Will. Right, right, And you right. get to play, like, Force of Negation in modern if you want to make those changes. That's but... what he's... He's actually has four in his 75, yeah. So it was just, like, a straight swap? Uh, he's only two main, but yeah, pretty much. He had two, okay. two Force of Negation and two Cryptic Command was the, yep. the swap. Yep. So, yeah. I can I can see it. It was uh, it was pretty wild, and he did really well. So I just wanted to try him out real quick. He was asking me about the deck, and I was like, "Dude, please stop messaging me. I do not care about modern. I don't want to think about modern. I just don't care at all." But then I felt bad, and uh, the deck did look pretty sweet. And it's kind of nice to know I have a modern deck that's all sleeved and in a box right now because the last deck I had sleeved was that cocaine control. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's your bud. Like, yeah, you can't. You can't say like no, I don't want to talk about this, right? <laughs> like well, if you, I mean, if you I did. messaged me about a deck and you were like, "Oh, I'm really excited to talk about it," even if I'm like, "No, man, I'm I'm retreading my stairs and I need to buy a new painting to fill up this wall before my family comes over for Thanksgiving," I would still I'd still talk to you about the deck. So what if I just messaged you and was like, "Hey, do you have time to discuss the Gospel of Kanye?" I mean, it depends on what album we're talking about. <laughs> Alright, 8th place, Baku91, with another Tom deck. This is, uh, this is Bug, man. This is actual Bug control, a mid-range, I don't know what you want to call it. It's 4 Gilded Goose with 2 Coatles, 2 Leovolts, 2 Plague Engineers, 2 Snapcasters, and a Brazen Borrower. 2 Jaces and 3 Okos, 4 Ponders, 2 Thought Seizes. And the counters and removal you expect. Three fatal push me. Three abrupt again. Yeah. Now this this is a deck that I would be more I, I would plan to see more fatal pushes in rather than that Delver deck. Like I think yes. three is probably oh, yes. the right yes, number yes. for a deck like this and seeing 
seeing that deck with a high number of fatal pushes doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, bro. Like, how wild is it that this this like mid range control deck has less removal sort of than the Delver deck, right? It's just weird. But I mean, does it really? Because if you count Oko as actual removal, like your Planeswalkers do double duty sometimes. Yeah, and your Ice Fang Colado actually. So I would actually give the edge to this deck because of Colado. Yeah. But it is kind of weird. Like, but I do like this build. I think this build is really clean. I've been drawing up some stuff kind of similar to this, but uh, this obviously is a tight list. It made top eight. So, you know, respect Baku. Pretty nice. So maybe the reason why the uh, Delver deck was playing four Fatal Push was they identified that their main competition was going to be straight blue-red Delver, and that card is really good against them. So I, I could see that being the thought. Yeah. Yeah, uh, our buddy Nate was actually trying to convince me that Dreadhorde Arcanist is oppressive now. I don't know about oppressive. I don't but know. But we don't either. we don't need to cancel Dreadhorde Arcanist. Not yet, but you gotta stop find out who he's friends with first. I can't laugh at that. <laughs> so basically Yeah. Ninth place Os- Osmandius with just this is just straight up rewind reset the clock, bro. This is like just mom, right? I think so. I mean there are a few changes, but I don't I don't think there's anything too out of the ordinary. And the lone pilots will probably be like, no, this is a completely <laughs> yeah. different strategy. They've changed up their one their their three drop threat spots and the deck plays out so much differently. You don't know what you're talking about. It's playing a sheltered thicket instead of a tranquil thicket. It's a totally different deck. Uh so yeah, th- there is one thing. When I made that list of cards that had entered the meta since War of the Spark, remember that last yep. week? Yeah. There was one card that I deleted at the last second to make my notes look cleaner, which was Savine's Reclamation, because it had technically come in, but I was like, that's not even worth talking about. It, it was like the 11th card, and I could just have those be 10 cards. And now it's in like three of the decks we've talked about so far, even though we haven't mentioned it. It's just a good card, you know? It's it's a <laughs> it's a fine card. It's like not, not exciting at all, but it's just good enough, right? I understand. No, no strong feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, it's an okay card. We're seeing it pop up a lot because it's new. Um, yeah. It's just whatever. Yep. So now we get into your bread and butter. We got in the in the lower half of the top 16, I guess, we've got two uh, Grixis Delver decks. We've got Theo Jung, and then a couple spots down, we've got... Uh, who's the other pilot fizzle yeah i think this is going to be the like it's going to be one of the most popular decks once everything shakes out it's got everything that you want out of gameplay for a legacy deck right you have delver plus tempo elements plus discard hand control and uh some some really powerful cards especially young pyromancer coming back like young pyromancer was basically unplayable while Ren and six was in the format and these decks take really, really good advantage of uh, of Young Pyromancer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And four Lightning Bolts is a fuck a lot better than playing four Fatal Pushes. That's that's the draw to this deck. If the you know if the meta lines up right, then you want to just close the games rather than cast Abrupt Decay. 
Yep. So yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about these decks. They're built pretty similar to what we would have expected, right? They're, there's nothing in the first deck that I see that's that I feel is noteworthy. The second deck, uh, same. Yeah, I mean they're they're stock from what we would have expected. Yep, very stock. So the uh, the other deck I wanted to mention, twelfth place, we got Infect, so we, it is showing up. You know, we yeah, we got we got a lot of heat on our Discord from people saying, "Why do you guys think Infect is good?" Oh well, maybe it has enough soft counters and permission to deal with combo, and it has a really powerful, quick, proactive game plan that people might not be ready for. Yep. And so, I, I'm sorry I left you in there to take the heat alone. <laughs> I I made my trumpet record to Discord, like returned to Discord, like two weeks ago or whatever, and I was like, okay, yep. I'm gonna. I, I opened it back up at work, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna be a Discord fan again or whatever. Use Discord, and within five minutes, I was like, I'm never going on thing again i got <laughs> well, i mean to to be fair people were like how can you say that grixis is going to be one of the better decks and say that infect can be good and you can have like a bad matchup like i don't think grixis is a good matchup for infect by any means no but i think it matches up well enough against the rest of the field that it could possibly be a good choice no and to right? be to be fair man I, I i hope that i articulated this properly on the last cast but i thought infect was going to be good for about six hours and then when i was talking to jesse last week i was like fuck blue red's gonna be really good i don't actually want to be playing in fact so i had kind of backpedaled on that even before we recorded the cast so it was like a pretty short amount of time that i thought in fact was going to be very good oh. so I, I do i do tend to agree i think with people on our discord okay so i'm i'm getting sold out live uh, <laughs> no on dude. this record on this recording you were agreeing to but we uh yeah that's that's pretty much all that I think merits discussion. You know, there's there's a few few fun decks. There's Burn in the top eight. There's Bob playing Depths. He's just like the Depths guy now, right? I mean, he's been playing the deck for such a long time. Yeah. It's been since Richmond. And I know he's played a few different things in between, but he's very proficient with that deck. He's just a great player. Yeah, and this is like... I'm trying to remember where Depths was before Ran. But this looks this looks pretty similar to the old like Dark Confidant builds. With mm-hmm. you know, they've got new tools. They've got Reclaimer, which we didn't actually talk about last week as a new card that's come in, but it's a powerful card still and once upon a time, so I'm sure this deck is good. It's always been good. Yep. So yeah, that's that. And fuck, what what was uh Sorry, man. We were about to switch to something. What was it? We were talking about Bob and Depths and Infect. I don't know what you were segueing into. Yeah, fuck. I just totally lost my chance. Sorry. We're good. Oh, dude. I'm, I'm so toasted that uh, that it doesn't matter. Yeah, you were pre-gaming, right? Bro, did you see the this Elaine Chow article? I did. Somebody posted it in our Discord, and like while I agree with it, uh, while I agree with the sentiment of the article, the specific examples about like the London Mulligan making combo too oppressive in Legacy just hasn't. It doesn't sit well with me because I don't think that's actually happening. I think the games are getting more consistent, but I don't think that it's combo that's the the deck that is the boogeyman. 
So first of all, I, I want to say the article I think was really well written. Like, I, I thought that it really captured a lot of what I was feeling, but I completely agree that it was like, you know, when somebody's like making the right argument and then they start bringing up the wrong point and you're like, no, please stop, please stop this because you're about to sink our argument for the wrong fucking reason. Like, I totally agree. Like the blue, black versus black, red example was just the wrong example to use. But the, the ultimate point I think was still correct. Uh, the, the larger point. And I think that one thing that was really interesting that I hadn't considered was that I guess in the standard, they're not playing the temples anymore. And I think that that's exactly indicative of what the problem is, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. I thought the article was also well-written, but anytime I read something, I always nitpick. And that was my nitpick. Yeah. So I think that the London Mulligan definitely makes games more, I don't want to say robotic or consistent, it definitely reduces variance in the games played, and it it leads decks to more uh, monochromatic lines. I, I I don't know if that makes sense, but like you look at games and games play out much more similarly than they used to because there's a little bit less variance, and you can say that's not what I want in my Magic. I want to have like an old school type environment where the games play out differently. And in Legacy, games play out very similarly a lot of the time. Yeah. And you know what's really weird, dude? I was so pumped for the London Mulligan for Limited. And I've played at least 500 matches of Limited since the London Mulligan's come online. Like, I played way too much for a long time. I've actually hadn't played a Limited game for three weeks, but uh, other than that cube we did. But I actually, like, now that I've had, you know... Uh, I said 500 matches, I meant 500 games, but I feel like I've had a large enough sample size of games now. I actually don't love it for limited, man. And it's because I think that people go to six more and five less now because you can reason with your sixes a lot more. But also, I keep finding this situation that I never really thought about before, but it keeps coming up where... My, I'll throw my seven away. I got an awful seven, but my six is keepable, or sorry, is perfect, uh, which is you know seven cards. But I got to put one on the bottom, and my yeah. hand will be three lands that I need. Yeah, a two and a three. Let's say I'm on the plate. It'll be like three lands, a two and a three, and a removal spell, and then my bomb for my deck. Yeah, I'm like, fuck. Why can't I put a card on top? Because I, <laughs> if I the the right card to put on the bottom there is your bomb, but then you're like. Well, You're I'm never going to see bomb. bomb this game. Right. So it feels awful. But putting a two or a three or a land on the bottom is just wrong there. So it, it's like, fuck, this would have been a better hand in the other situation, right? And that, sure. that that sounds like a super corner case, but it's come up so many times for me that it's, it's almost like... I think that every time that happens, it's going to register in your brain. Yeah, that that's possible i mean it, it didn't at, at first i was like oh that's kind of weird you know just like not really thinking about it mm -hmm. but now it's like i don't know maybe i'm just such a good limited deck builder that i i fall into this trap because my decks are so perfectly distributed you are you are just as humble as i am yeah. we are <laughs> the most humble co-hosts of uh the top 20 leisure based podcast in turkey <laughs> for the last two weeks running we get these stats emailed to us, and it's just hilarious. So, yeah. Anyway. 
I mean, do you want to get into the MKM or do you want to tie this one off? Well, I mean, we can we can talk a little bit about death and taxes. I think that we don't want to get too uh, too. All right, death and taxes is back. It's an evergreen deck, and it sort of ties into the argument that we're making about. There are some decks when formats sort of shit get shaken up are never going to be awful choices, and a lot of people are going to flock to them. Death and Taxes is one of them, and it was there in the finals. Yep. And it was also in the top 16 of the challenge for what it's worth. Real quick, though, we have to do, for Jesse, we have to do our Bologna top eight prediction. Okay. Belcher, Belcher, Belcher. No, I'm just kidding. Um... So I think that there's going to be a Grixis Delver, a Blue Red Delver, a Sneak and Show, a Death and Taxes. Uh, that's four. Two Delvers, Sneak and Show, Death and Taxes. I think there's going to be some sort of blue-white base control deck, whether it be just a straight Miracles or like a like an Astrolab um, build like Anurag is playing. I think there's going to be an Ant, and I'm not sure what the other spot or spots is going to be. But I think it's going to be completely spread out. I think Delver's still going to be the most representative, but it's going to be split between multiple archetypes. Interesting. What do you think? So that, that's a very wide, wide array of decks. It is. And one of each, too. So so nothing really, nothing in control is what you're yes. saying. All right, I, I'm going to call Sneak and Show for absolute certainty, for all the reasons we've discussed already. I'm going to call Elves as my number two confidence level. Because it seems like every time there's European events, there's always multiple Elves players. Like, they just come out of the woodwork. Yeah, I think there's going to be too much Plague Engineer. Yeah. Yeah, that's a legitimate concern, but I'm going to call it anyway. Okay. I think, you can do that. Yep. I think that Sneak and Show and Elves would be my highest confidence. I, I'm not feeling Ant, honestly, because this is going to be my sort of going out on a limb pick, would be two Bug Delvers. I think that that's going to be the first flavor of the week Delver deck now, now that we're okay. starting to see results come in. I think two Bug Delvers and one Blue Red Delver are going to be the Delver decks. I understand. And I think that it's going to be a pretty hostile towards this card and you know veil of summer is a card that makes do you think that it makes ant better as a whole because it can play it or do you think it makes it worse because of the people are playing it i think it makes it better because it can play it but if there's going to be a bunch of bug delver then i mean veil of summer kind of fills a similar role that Flusterstorm used to used to fill exactly which is why i'm wondering you, you can fire off the veil of summer in response to a discard spell to set them behind the, their combo turn yeah so it, it's it's a little bit better um but I think that Ant is just one of those decks where obviously it's completely pilot dependent and you start to see the skill level of people who play that deck really well increase like their performance exponentially. Yeah. And I think that there hasn't been enough changed to make me say that like one of the one of the Ant Cabal isn't going to do well. Yeah. And then I'm going to call uh, two this is this is kind of shitty. It's kind of a cop-out, but two blue-white decks. I don't know if they're going to be Astrolabe or not, like a like a blue-white-red mentor Astrolabe deck we talked about, or just like a yep. traditional Return to Miracles, or even a small Stoneblade package. But two blue-white decks, I'll call, and a Blood Moon deck. 
That's my feeling. Okay. That's my feeling on top eight. Yeah, I think now that you mention it, I think the um the missing spot in my top eight would be a Blood Moon deck. Nice. Yeah. It's moon, right. bro. It's, it's, it's one of those. It's, it's one of those decks that never goes away, too. It's Bologna, and it's like a cheap deck. You know, people show up at Legacy Grand Prix because. But it's not. It's not a cheap deck anymore. Was it? Like Trinisphere is like sixty bucks. What the fuck? Isn't it? It might just be fifty, but it's expensive. I would have thought it was twenty. No, it is not twenty dollars anymore. It was twenty maybe a year and a half ago. I sold my invocations for twenty. Oh Jesus! No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. Oh. Hashtag MTG Finance. Yeah. That sucks. <laughs> oh well. Yeah, don't look at that. They're all going right to, they're all going to zero anyway. You're right. Everything is going to zero. Bro, Watsi's selling singles now, so we're all fucked. You're right. Yo! Oh my god, dude, this is what I wanted to say before. So I went to this Thanksgiving party with uh, my wife's coworkers last night. It was like their you know, their program or whatever. They had like a yeah. Thanksgiving dinner. And one of her co chiefs uh has this boyfriend fiance guy who i had met before we started talking and somehow they came up with that podcast and you know how like you're you're in mixed company so i'm trying to like not tell him about it but like my wife mentioned it or something yeah. so i'm like oh yeah it's a podcast and like try to talk about something else he's like oh what's it about you know i'm like oh it's just a game you know and then like he's like what kind of game and so i was like all right it's a fucking magic podcast dude and he's like Oh, dude, I haven't played Magic in so long. And he, he just wanted to talk about Matt. Like, he hadn't played since 1999. But yep. he's like, he articulated, this is crazy, bro. He articulated our reserve list argument perfectly. Like, right off the bat, it was the weirdest fucking thing. He's like, it's crazy that that game's so long, man. That was really genius how they did that with the reserve list. And I was like, whoa. You made fuck, that up. No. All of our listeners are going to be bro, like, based. you you aristocratic scum this guy trying to sell sell this argument to the common people this guy was base bro this his name is connor i'm gonna find him on facebook and i'm gonna <laughs> screenshot this shit and put it in our discord because he fucking nailed the argument because he was he couldn't believe that people still played magic and then he's like I, I can't believe it really worked that they kept the game going for this long and i was like dude i want i want you to come on our podcast this week I want you to just say that and then get off the line because that was fucking awesome that you just said that. I could not believe it, dude. That's kind of awesome. Uh, he also claims he has a Jews on gin. So. I mean, everybody says that. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> yes. I used to play Magic. I had dual lands. He has four Scrublands is what he told me. Four Scrub... Okay, f- Scrublands and Jism. Yeah. That that's a certain type of player. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I, I liked that. I, I honestly, I didn't think I was going to like the guy... He, Told me he worked for the Department of State, but he actually was a really cool dude. And uh, yeah, I was uh, I was really happy with that dude. I was like, I, I I wish I could take a picture of this moment. I guess you could take a video, right? That's like a way to take a picture of a moment. But you could actually take a picture. But I have to write on the back of it what he was saying. Oh okay. But yeah, a video would actually capture what I was looking for. <laughs> Well, next time. Next time you all hang out. So, bro, do we have an ad read? Do we get any of that Bloomberg money? He's spending $34 million this week. Uh, we got zero of it. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. We could, add, we could add advertisements into our podcast that we have no control over to get, like, $0.25 cents a podcast. Meandies? Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. It could be, it could be um, 
what's the book service? Sherry's Berries. Uh, no, what you know what I'm talking about? Twenty three and uh, Me. Audible.com. Audible. Uh, it could be Audible. Could be uh, yeah, it could be um, the Gel Mattress Company. <laughs> could be. It could be a lot of things. We don't even know. It's a surprise to us. Yeah. But we're not going to do that because we have such great Patreons. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. That That's all. I mean, we do have a lot more to talk about. Honestly, I hope we get Lawrence on next week. Uh, it's a shame we couldn't make it this week, but uh, I feel why, like... Why do we need Lawrence to bail us out? Are we not good enough to talk about this stuff on our own? You know, oh. honestly, like I, I do kind of feel like I had a responsibility to be playing more leagues this week. And I didn't do it because I knew Lawrence was coming on. I knew that I was just going to be sort of swimming up current because nothing that I did was really going to matter because of the reasons we discussed already. Like, it's not like I'm actually training for testing for something or whatever. There is right. the quarterly in two weeks. Yeah, but Bolo- like we're going to have the results from Bologna. It's going to set the Ex- stage. Exactly. Like, nothing. So why why even talk about anything? We're talking about week one of the format. Like, it's some big, huge thing. The Grand Prix is going to figure out what's going on. Wait till the Grand Prix. Yeah. Enjoy the cut. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and that's a wrap. That's a wrap. I don't, I don't understand that, man. Enjoy the what? Uh, I was about to say enjoy the coverage, but there's no coverage. Oh, that's okay. why I stopped. Like, oh, enjoy the... Oh, no, you get to, you get nothing. You get nothing and you still enjoy it. 